welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye, hi. And I'm Rachel, hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in this very special episode, we're interviewing Dan Jackson and Carleen Crawford, the casting directors of the His Dark Materials TV show that's on BBC and HBO. Ah! <laughs> Well, <laughs> hi everybody. Hi. Basically, this is just a little intro to tell you how bloody excited, thrilled, honoured, privileged, ridiculously overwhelmed we are about the fact that Dan and Carleen were willing to talk to us. And oh my gosh, they are so lovely. They were the loveliest people to talk to and we're so excited for you to hear this interview. So many stories, so many like wonderful laughs and just joy that we I think we all need in these times that we're going through at the minute so yeah we really hope you enjoy and I don't think we want to do anything else up at the top here I think we just want to let you get straight into it so Rach shall we just let them get into it yeah let's take it away So thank you, Dan and Colleen, for agreeing to speak to us. We're very happy to have you guys. I was wondering if you want to just give us a little bit of an intro to each of you. My name is Colleen Crawford, and I'm one of the casting directors of His Dark Materials. And uh, my name is Dan Jackson, and I am the other casting director on His Dark Materials. Perfect. Thank you. So I guess getting straight into it, if you'd like to kind of tell us a little bit about what the job of a casting director kind of entails for those of us out there that don't know. I think my summary of it would be with casting, we basically populate every role in the script. Generally, those roles have dialogue, but, you know, there's exceptions. But generally, all the roles that require an actor in any script, we are the people who are responsible for filling all of those roles. And we work between the producer and the director eh, to find to bring their artistic vision to screen and we also deal with the actors and the agents and do all of the deals and the business side of it as well. I think that's uh, that's something that probably a lot of people don't know about our job is is the more the doing the deals side of it with the agents and having to do their money and uh, etc is something that may be quite a lot. The fun part. Yeah the fun part exactly. Mm. Uh, we've got a very good assistant called Ross, <laughs> who we who we get to do all of that stuff, all the paperwork. Um, bless him. Thank you, Ross. He's amazing at all yeah. of that. He's head of business affairs. That's what we'll call him, head of business affairs. We're we're there from really the first, you know, the very early drafts of the scripts. Maybe, you know, from draft one, really, we'll we'll we start working on on the characters and seeing which characters and which episodes and, and, and working from there really. For for series one, it was kind of chronological really. You know, we had episode one and episode two and we started from there. Obviously there was quite a lot of characters to introduce early on. As we went through the episodes, there was maybe less characters to, to, to cast, but that, that first the first few certainly there was there was a lot for us to do. So Dan, you actually spoke a little bit about this before we started recording, but have you both read the books? And if so, when did you read them and what's your relationship with them? I'm going to let Dan start this <laughs> off because he's... Yeah, yeah I, I have read them a lot. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly how many times, but I would probably say for a while I was reading them every year or two, uh, going back over them. So I, I, I probably couldn't tell you exactly how many times I've read them, but it's a lot. And I probably first read them late 90s maybe something like that and uh yeah fell in love with them straight away as we were saying before this we started recording i 
when I first read them and I, I had never heard of the name Lyra before and um, loved the name and then fell in love with the books. And then I always thought to myself, if I ever had a, a daughter, I would love to name her Lyra. And, uh, and as you know, I did. And uh, I now have a six, <laughs> six, almost seven year old girl called Lyra. So Amazing. I love that so much. I had read them a few times. I had, sorry, I'd read parts of them a few times a long time ago. So I'd read them all once and then I'd sort of read bits of them um, again. But I actually was asked to go and meet um, Jane Tranter, who, you know, persuaded Philip really to allow her to make these books into a very, very faithful kind of on-screen um, portrayal of all of his characters and storylines and all the complexities of it. I was asked to go and meet Jane Tranter by Dan McCulloch, one of the other exec producers who we work incredibly closely with both of them, um, as well as our day-to-day producers, Laurie Borg and Rupesh Barak. But what the thing about Jane is how passionate she is about the books and what Dan McCulloch had said to me. Dan and I had done a film together years ago and he said, oh, can I introduce you to Jane? And um, you know, I'd recommended you for this job and I sort of thought, oh, I've got nothing to lose. You'll probably not hire me, but that's absolutely fine. Well, um, then Dan acquainted me with A, that was not an option. Dan was like, these are the books he's the most passionate about in the world. So he was like, you literally go and get us this job or I will have to kill you. So there was like, <laughs> firstly, no pressure on that. But secondly, I thought, well, I have this impression of the books um, and I have certain memories of the books, but I really, really need to read them again. And I had to absolutely crash it alongside my job, like just madly reading all the books again to just be right up to speed when I went when I went to meet Jane again. So yeah, and it's been enjoyable to go back over them. Brilliant. I know as as you've both read the books quite a lot, everyone wants to know so much more about the process and that's what we've had a lot of feedback from online is, are there any characters that for you straight away you had an idea of who you wanted in your head to play those roles? That's a really good question. I mean, I guess for Lord Asriel, there are some quite obvious choices, I guess you would imagine, but I'm not sure that there was anybody that I particularly had in mind that, that I thought that I wanted to play the role. Quite, We're quite open, weren't we, Carling, from the beginning? Of it? I think we almost tried consciously not to do that, if that makes any sense. We would go, what are the essence, what's the essence of this character? And I think that's sort of in a way where we started from the top. There are certain pressures on you when you're casting leads. You know, you, you do have to perhaps find someone who appeals to an audience. You do have, there were certain things, but I think all of us even wanted that to be like a secondary thing. It was really about bringing people to screen who could absolutely just embody this character in the truest sense without them being a trope or without them being someone that you had too much of an expectation to see in that role and because that's kind of easy in a way and we wanted it to feel different and feel modern and 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 feel for this moment. A lot of people have written in and we'll get into our listener questions a little bit later on but can you talk a little bit about casting Lyra and Will? So we actually started on Lyra way back in 2016. Um, it was a long process. The, re- the reason that it seems so long ago was because we did a, we, there was a break in the middle before we, we ended up coming back to it. But for Lyra, we were very open and we, were, we, were, we, we went down the usual routes of, of going to the agents and uh, – we did uh, theatre groups, theatre schools, and not even pro- professional ones necessarily. You know, we did we did theatre groups that just see kids at the weekend. We uh, 
we covered the whole country really and the first process was collecting self tapes from these these kids and uh, we got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to look through the first process was not even getting these kids to read any script we just wanted to see the kids and see what they were like on camera and try and get as we were talking about there try and get an, a feel for them and, and some of the you know an essence of them and just to see if we could see some kind of spark or some kind of magic something that just that Karen and I would just look at and go yeah we there's something about that kid and so what the first round was what we would just get these kids in their garden or a lot of them were on holiday at the time with summer holidays and so some of them were abroad uh, or they would be in their house and we got them just to film a little two minute video of uh, of anything they wanted so some of them like took us uh, took us on a tour around their house or their bedroom or they wanted to talk about their favorite pets or their best pal or something like that. it was just literally a two minute video of them talking about whatever they wanted to talk about and uh, we would watch hundreds of those and from then from that list we would cut it down slightly and we would ask the kids that we liked to tape again and maybe tape a few lines and then from that round we would cut it down again and uh, then start meeting the kids in person and getting them to read up maybe a scene or two and then from that stage we would then recall them again and, and and from there it was just a recall to a recall to a recall till eventually we got to to our final few uh, actors and then of course ended up with, with Daphne but it was a long long process a lot we watched a lot of tapes a lot of amazing a lot of amazing kids you know a lot of amazing kids the will casting was um, was really exciting we actually for for various reasons the will shoot was happening later in the schedule and and was kind of um, slightly more um, compressed into a shorter period um, for various kind of production reasons and so we had a bit more time to cast for Will and we were able to cast Will after we had done a lot of the other casting of series one which I think so it was kind of it was the part that we were able to leave to the end of the job so we'd been doing it alongside Lyra originally and then when we realized we had this bit more time we just sort of left it and, and came back to it and it was really good to do that in a way because I think we were able to see exactly who Daphne's Lyra was, Daphne Keane's Lyra was and exactly the other characters were. and then we were were at that point able to sort of do it I guess like a look at the whole ensemble and, and really cast to that which was quite nice so we were we just did a massive search um, we had seen all these boys at the same time as we'd started the Lyra search like Dan said in 2016 there was a bit of a gap. We picked up meetings again with some of those boys. We did more tapes. It was very much like the Lyra process. You know, people were sending us in a little hello tape and I won't repeat it, but what Dan said um, applied to the Will search. One of the difficult things I think about both of these characters was knowing the production schedule. So we were knowing that we had to cast it, that we had to shoot it across a number of years but the story is not meant to happen across a number of years. And also the story is about a very specific period in these children's lives, which is when they are stepping into adulthood. So I think one of the specific challenges that we had with Lyra and with Will, but I think particularly with Will, because boys' voices change. 
it was something we couldn't cheat our way around. So if we cast somebody and then a month in, two months in, a year in, their voice changed, it would have been quite complex, I guess. Um, you would hope the audience would just have suspended their disbelief, but you never know. So again, that was we did all of the same things that Dan spoke about with Lyra, but that was something we very much had to take into consideration. And also some of the boys that we'd seen a little bit before then came back a couple of months later and they were like a foot and a half taller. <laughs> it was like a completely different person. So we had all of that to deal with. So yeah, that was that was a couple of the, the kind of um, complexities of casting Will. But otherwise it was a very similar process. We were very open-minded and we were sort of excited to see who was out there. And we looked at kids that had done loads of big jobs and exciting credits. And we looked at kids in, in local theatre groups, uh, you know, in Oxford, and around England and um, at one point actually we cast the net across the whole of the UK and Ireland and we, we were really very very open and we had a couple of kids who were living in Australia and New Zealand and you know it was a very exciting and open kind of search um, but I you know I hope the audience feel that we got to the right the right people in Daphne and Amir. Amazing definitely yeah we've seen lots of praise about Lyra and Will actually everywhere. Um, and yeah we both think that they did a great job I remember seeing Daphne Keane in Logan um, when that came out and thinking that she was great when I heard she was there I was like it's okay I've seen Logan she can do this I believe it (laughs) (laughs) that's such an interesting process to hear about Um, I'd love to know how that differs from how you go about casting the adults in the series because I can imagine the processes are quite different between casting children and casting grown-ups well it depends if you're talking about one of the really tricky kind of things like the witches because I mean Dan we went worldwide on the witches didn't we yeah it was huge search in that way and then there are other roles that you you know there are kind of brilliant brilliant actors that you that you can tap into who seem to bring something of that character that we were speaking about and there are some people who you just make a direct offer to because they they are quite established and their work is there for everyone to see you know, like Ruth and James, you know, Lynn Manuel, they don't they don't uh, audition. And then there were lots of people who uh, who came in and did you know did auditions and kind of got the part that way. But you would definitely see far fewer people for most for almost all of those roles, except the witches was a really specific challenge. They were yeah, Serafina. Um Serafina and Rita were really, I suppose, the, the hardest time, weren't they? Yeah, that was that was probably the the only two characters apart from the kids that we uh, that we really spread the, the net that far or saw that many tapes for. Yeah, I mean, because you're literally talking hundreds. But yeah, for the for the more for the as we've just said for the more the adult kids, the adult actors and things, it was the nets not spread quite so wide. And there was the voice casting as well. We had to do all the voice casting as well. So. That was um, that was a whole other process. I mean, that we're about to do more voice casting just now for, well, for series two. Um, there, there's some voice casting to be done, so that's yeah, that was re- quite challenging. Careful what you say, Carling. Careful I what know. you say. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well get into that question now because that was a question from one of our listeners. Actually, it might have been somewhat from someone on Reddit, um, and they asked, "How does the voice casting for the demons work?" I mean, completely blindly, Dan, wasn't it? Because like, we hadn't done voice casting before ever, had we? 
We hadn't ever done it, so we were new to the whole process. So we were learning as we went along, really. But to begin with, we did we did it just like we would, as if we were going to cast a, an actor for you know an actual role. We went to the agents uh, and we sent out breakdowns, and the agents uh, suggested their clients, and we looked at their CVs and listened to their voice reels or their show reels, and then you know selected who we. Can I just interrupt you to see? Breakdown is, uh, is like a kind of synopsis of the character. Right. And then that's what mm. we use to tell people what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we communicate through a, a kind of electronic system. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we would just do the same. We would send out scenes for them to tape and they would, instead of sending a, a self-tape where we could see their face, they would just send a, a tape for their voice and we listened to it and, uh, and tried to cast that way. That's how we started the process. It's maybe not how we ended up. So we could talk about we could talk about Yorick Bernison. The, mm. the Dan and I were working with Otto Bathurst on his episode. So each of the directors works with us in the characters that appear in their episodes first appear in those episodes. So they usually the director who is directing the first appearance will be the person that we talk to alongside the producers about the casting. It doesn't always work like that, but let's say that for the for the ease. So Otto was across, you know, the first appearance of, of Yorick Bernison. And we're thinking polar bears and you're thinking these big epic voices and, you know, and he's a man of year, you know, he's a polar bear of a certain age and, you know, all of this stuff. So they gave us this description and it would be somebody who had a kind of Scandi accent um, who was probably, what would it have been done? 50s, I think, 50s type of older type of voice quality. But what we discovered really quickly, because um, we hadn't done voice casting before, and it's only obvious if you have, but we hadn't done it before. And what we discovered really quickly is that people don't sound like they look and people don't sound like their age <laughs> necessarily. So we started to rip it up and we just started ignoring pictures, everything, everything, everything. And that's why, as Dan said, we were looking just at these um, listening just to these tapes and if people didn't have a way of recording only their voice like for example we weren't very experienced at voice casting we said to them don't film yourself you can film a coffee cup but don't film yourself just be next to the camera and don't put it on you because we just don't want to have any preconceptions and we don't want the client to when they get the tape so that's how we did it and a couple of times it worked and a couple of times it didn't and Otto had said you know during the session that we were doing for we decided to meet actors in person that we had showed them the voices of and they were interested in so Otto thinks he's meeting these Scandi guys or people doing an accent in their 50s and 60s and in strolls Joe Tanberg, who's like, you know, whatever he is, late 20s, I don't know his age, but late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to absolutely kill us. He's going to be absolutely furious with us. And so Joe walks in and, and Otto just sort of glanced at me out the side of his eye like, aha. And I was thinking, oh my God. And anyway, we turned away. We didn't watch what he was doing, but he just did this whole Yorick Bernison in this casting room. He is a big guy, so he was pounding around the room physically. <laughs> he was down on all fours. He was he was doing all of this stuff, and this roar was coming out of this young guy. And so anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you, Joe. Nice to meet you. See you later. And he walked out the room, and Otto was like, "Okay, I take it all back." <laughs> it was like. <laughs> That guy was brilliant. He was amazing. And he did end up getting the part. I mean, we saw some brilliant, brilliant people, but but Joe, but Joe did win out the part that day. But yeah, I thought I thought Dan and I were going to get shot against a wall at the beginning of that audition. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. For a couple of the other roles, we did end up doing straight offers to some 
to some more established actors as well. So and we were pleasantly surprised actually that you know some really great actors with quite a lot of profile were were absolutely up for it. You know they were just like, yep, great, mm-hmm. love it, would love to be involved. You know, legends, some total legends, some total and, legends, Glory and David Sushi mm-hmm. and Sarah Finovich, and yeah, they were just up for it. Absolutely up for it's it from the beginning. Yeah, but it's really lovely to see the breadth of casting in there. Interesting to see, hear how you approach the different roles because there's such a lovely mix of like really well-known mm. names and people we've just never seen before which brings me to lee scoresby one of the questions we've had from our, our listeners is did you use any influence from the golden compass film did you completely push it aside and ignore all of the casting choices for that because i know that lee was cast very differently between the two and there's been so so much debate on the internet about his casting and we obviously love lynn in this role and I'd really love to know how you went about approaching Lee, casting that, approaching Lynn and all those kinds of things. So with the casting of Lee Scoresby, we did a lot of um, lists and ideas. And there were lots of people that I imagine some of the audience would find a more obvious sort of territory of choice age-wise in particular, I think. Jane Transer had actually had some contact with Lin-Manuel Miranda because he's a huge, massive, massive, massive fan of the books. And again... He just conveyed this complete passion for the material and understanding of the material. And I think that was a a lot of what, you know, everybody was looking for really was someone who just kind of, who just really got it. But that was a direct offer that was kind of largely actually done through, through uh, Jane Tranter um, having this contact with Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was out of our hands really. Although I have to say we were, we were super happy with it. So. Yeah, like Rich mentioned, there's been like a lot of talk about uh, Lynn Manuel playing Lee, mm. and I look, one of my favorite parts of watching the show was watching, apart from Ruth Wilson, which we'll ask you a question about in a second, I'm sure, was watching Lynn as Lee Scorsby. I thought he did such a good job, and uh, in the books, because we go through the books chapter by chapter as well as covering the TV show, we have a couple of chapters ago just met Lee Scorsby, and I remember reading the description of him again seeing the tv show and actually it pretty much does describe exactly how lynn portrays him in the show um so yeah we were very pleased to to see lynn that's good that's good to answer your other question about the golden compass you know we did set it aside we didn't really we didn't use it as a reference i haven't seen it completely new slate clean slate and just uh just wanted to make our our own vision of it you know and and uh not really worry too much about that although i have to say i think in the golden compass i think the casting was, was pretty good i have to say yeah, there's brilliant, brilliant choices and an, an amazing selection of actors and, and and talent on screen. I mean, a, a really, really rich casting. Absolutely brilliant. Hmm. Yeah, it was. It was really good. But yeah, ours was a different beast. So Amazing. I'd love to ask about the casting processes for Mrs. Coulter and Lord Asriel. They are both so great. We're big Ruth Wilson fans in the room. And we had a listener write in, which I think is a good time to bring this up. To kind of ask what scenes do you ask for people to do in their auditions to check that they're right for the role did you ask that of these two characters and if so people want to know which scene did you make them do <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question it is a good question well for as Callie said earlier there are some roles or some actors that you just would offer straight to and you wouldn't be asking them to come into the room and and read because we already know that they're you know we already know what they can do. And, and Ruth and James were, were both of those. So we didn't ask them or send them any scenes to read. And now, is my memory correct, Callie? Did we cast Ruth first, right? We cast Ruth first. Mm. And at, at that time, we didn't have many episodes. There weren't many episodes written when we first went 
to Ruth. I think it was only maybe like two, one maybe two, yeah, one or two. two. Like we we didn't we didn't have eight episodes for her to say to read read them and see what you think. And you know we'd love to have you if you would like to play the role. Kind of it. we had one or two and and a rough story arc that we got the script department to to write for us just to, to kind of explain her journey throughout the eight episodes and and a, and a, and a character description and um that's all we had to give her um which you know can be tricky sometimes for an actor because in some ways they may feel that they're taking a risk if they haven't read all eight, all eight episodes or they don't exactly know how their character is going to pan out and yet they're having to say yes that you know that they're going to agree to to play the role so it can sometimes be be difficult for actors to to make a decision on with such little information really but that that's all we had and we needed an answer from her we couldn't wait for any more scripts to be written so i think dan mcculloch our exec producer and jane i think and jack and, I think, and, and, jack and maybe thorne jack maybe. i think maybe yeah. jack thorne as well Writer, we arranged yeah. yeah we arranged for all three of them to to meet with ruth one day and they sat and had lunch or coffee or something and and Ruth was able to they were able to answer any questions or queries that Ruth had about about the process or about her character that that might not be answered in the, in the material that she had been given to read so they 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 sold it to her really and that was it she said yes and 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 we had her and she's absolutely off the scale amazing <laughs> yeah. I mean she's um, she's unbelievable she's unbelievable I remember when it was announced that she was going to play Mrs. Coulter and I remember saying to Rach I was like this is perfect I was like I don't even need to see her do it I know that she's gonna smash yeah. it and she absolutely did she's incredible yeah, she's amazing she's incredible yeah yeah before we ended up with her we'd we had we and we do this for every character uh Callie and I had written you know lists and lists of, of actresses who could possibly p- play the role you know and those lists would then go to Jane and to Dan and and Jack and we would discuss our ideas and who we liked and 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 uh, who were our favourites, and that's uh, that's how we ended up at Ruth. Yeah, because we always we have to do things like check check availabilities mm-hmm. of these actors as well. You know, we know when when we're going to start shooting. So when Callie and I first do the lists of of, of actors, they, we we then have to get in contact with the agency. Are they available between this shoot date and, and that shoot date? And and if they are, then they you know they stay on the on the list, or if they're not, then they're taken off the list or put on a unavailable list. Or and 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 that's how we first start getting the the juices flowing, so to speak, for, for each role. And so we always start off with lists. Was it a similar process for James McAvoy with Lord Asriel? I think the process was very similar. I mean, so Dan yeah, and I did lists. our lists, yeah, yeah as yeah. we always do. And yeah. and James was always someone everyone was, was very interested in. But unfortunately, when we originally had our overall dates period, that we were checking everyone and Dan just mentioned that section that's available that section that's like tricky available and not available generally is how we break our lists down and James had ended up on the tricky or not available section I can't remember the exact detail Uh, he was not available because he wasn't available because he was doing Mm. another job but Mm. actually then what happened was a little bit like the will thing things change and evolve which is why we keep these long 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 lists and we always have them like a you know a sort of place to go back to because things change I wish it dates changed. But in any case, like with Will, when we realised that Will was going to be done much, much, much later than we'd originally envisaged and we had a bit more breathing space to search, the dates changed for Asriel. So we suddenly realised that A, they were they were quite... And then more scripts were coming in as well. So we had like a better idea of what it would take to shoot Asriel and, and how that could be done in the order and, you know, all the exigencies of production that 
to find these things. And all of a sudden there was this window, wasn't there? This kind of like tight period. Well, yeah, because I think we realised, because obviously when we were first checking for Asriels, we checked for the whole shoot period. And actually, when we got further into the later drafts of the scripts, we realised that actually he wasn't ever, he wasn't going to be in it that much. And that we could we could shoot him out in, in very small blocks, you know, he could come for a couple of weeks and then we wouldn't need him in a, again for a couple of months and then he could come back and do a week or two. And so it, it became kind of easier to to maybe for some for an, for an actor who was very busy to maybe fit into our schedule that way. And so quite late, quite late notice. So, you know, they had obviously at that point, you know, James hadn't been available. And so they'd sort of gone, OK, well, we can't approach him. Um, and they've been thinking about, you know, what to do and who to go to and all of that process, just a normal process that was happening. And then there was this sort of like, so we saw this window and then Dan was hopping on a conference call with everyone, wasn't, weren't you, Dan? And we'd spoken that a, morning yeah. and you were like, look, this is the window. And he and I were like, oh, my God, James McAvoy could do this. Like, he could totally do this. And we, and we knew that that he was super passionate about the material. Like, these are his favourite books. He is obsessed. He is a huge Philip Pullman fan. So he, we just knew that we had, because also getting somebody like, you know, movie stars, it can be very hard and, and uh, you know, because they're so busy, as Dan said. And also sometimes they're maybe not committing to television series and things like that. But we just were like, oh, God, this could work. And it did. And 48 yeah. hours later, a deal was done and he it was, was actually one. It was a really funny I remember one being on a, so suddenly. on a call with Jane, Dan and Tom Hooper, our exec producer and director of the first two eps, and saying to him, look, we can get him. We, we think this can work. And I remember I was getting a bit of stick because he's Scottish and obviously we're Scottish and they're like, you're just trying to cast, you're just trying to cast another Scot. We stopped trying to cast Scots in the show. But I, no, no, we, we honestly, he's brilliant. We all love him. And it was, it happened so quickly. I, I was driving down to see my mum actually and I was on the phone in my car to his agent saying, we think we can make this work. If, if his dates are what you say they are, we really think we can make this work, but we need to turn it around super quick. And as Karen said, like 40 hours later, it was, it was done and, and that was it. We had our we had our Lord Asriel. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Great story. What a Lord Asriel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Love James McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I can't imagine anyone else in the role now. That's the, Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. That's when you know you get it right, I think. Same it's the same with Mrs. Coulter. You know you've got it right when, when you can't imagine anyone else playing the role now. It's that's yeah. it. 100%. Yeah. Was Philip Pullman involved at all in the casting? He was never in the casting room with us, but I think he would. Yeah, he was certainly kept informed of of what we were doing by by Jane mostly. And um, if he had any thoughts or or ideas, then we were always more than happy to to listen to them and take his steer if we needed to. Um, but he was he wasn't actually in the casting rooms with us or anything. It was mainly myself, Callie, Dan McCulloch. And uh, and Tom Hooper because he was directing the first two episodes. It was mainly the, the people who were in the casting room. That was for the that was for getting the show up and running, and then beyond that, yeah. it was like we were saying like we'd be working with Otto or whoever, whichever director. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and Jack as well. Jack Thorne would he wasn't in the casting rooms, but he was all he was quite a big part of our casting process, and you know he liked to have his ideas or, or some feedback from him and stuff. So. Yeah, Jack knows loads and loads of actors um, as well, so he's really mm. brilliant at sort of throwing ideas out, and we'd always make yeah. sure we check. He's very as passionate. Well. Yeah, he's super passionate about the casting. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. I'm gonna fire off some questions from our uh, social media that have come in. 
Another podcast, the Dark Material podcast, wants to know, were there any actors that gave you that like jump in the air, like, oh my God, I can't believe we've got them. This is so exciting moment for you. Oh, that's a good question. Um... Do you know, I think some of them would be quite unusual, Dan, wouldn't you say? Like when Ian Gelder was cast, we were just like so happy about it because they're just actors who we love and we're passionate about watching their Mm. stuff and we've seen them in stage a million times and and also Mm. sometimes you just know they're like the most gorgeous human being on the planet and and they're going to be in this thing that will be watched hopefully for years and years to come and re-watched and re-loved and you know all of that stuff so there's Mm. probably some quite unusual ones and some that we were just like on our knees like thank the good lord that is finally cast because that was really fucking difficult <laughs> and um, and you were just sort of like yay and also you would get to the end of the process and you would feel that for all the ups and downs in the process and that might be that people had conflicting opinions that this, this the script was changing and you were sort of didn't you know it was a bit like trying to get a jellyfish through a letterbox you, you didn't know what you were dealing with um and then you would you would sort of get to the end of it and you would think that person is someone that I'm happy with from loving the book. You know, that if we, so sometimes it would even be that, it would be a process of, yes, brilliant, Ruth Wilson's the most incredible actress, James McAvoy and Lin-Manuel and like God, loads of them getting the kids cracked and just feeling really excited about it. And occasionally just because you were so needing it to <laughs> be done and it hadn't been compromised along the way. Amazing. Yeah. I think especially maybe for the kids, you know, because as we said before, we started so, you know, way back in 2016, it was such a long process. Like uh, Lou and Lloyd, yeah, we met way back in 2016, you know, so that for him, for a kid like that, it's such a long process before it ended up offering him the role. So we were super delighted for him. And for Daphne as well, you know, it was quite a long process. It wasn't that long ago, actually, I came across the, the, the tape that she did where she was in her house just talking about herself and what she liked and, you know, this is my house. It's, it's funny seeing that now because she seems so young compared to what she is now. But, uh, yeah, for all those kids, it was a really long process. So we're always super delighted when they get the roles. It's always really sweet to tell them, you know. Yeah. They've got the part. James Cosmo as well, another one, another actor that Callie and I love. So super delighted that he was involved. And there was there's too many, I think. I think there was also there were a few instances when because along with the whole process and and working with the client and working with the agents and you know auditioning the actors and all of that stuff, there's also the the bit of it which is the people who didn't get the part, and that that can be really really challenging to deal with because in some ways for for a number of roles there are various people who could give you a version of that character who could play a really brilliant version of that character and it's so rarely about who was the best you know like uh, actors all have something unique to offer and you know everyone that we're seeing along the way was so much talent and so that was quite hard but one of the really nice things I think about this is what we've constantly tried to do is to go back and like almost draw on it like a pool of, of our knowledge and our talent and we'd introduce the producers and you know directors and writer to people they'd never come across before perhaps so once we then all had that common language we were sometimes we were able to go do you remember that person who came in for that part and you really loved them but they just got picked to the post because of this you know x y and z what about them for this part and that would quite often actually bring some of those people back to us and they would then go on to get the role or our role like some of the kids that were quite close to we're always sensitive about it because sometimes they, they do just need a break from the process but a lot of the time because it is a long one 
we were able to go back to agents and families and say, look, we're no, it didn't work out for Lyra and we're really sorry for that disappointment. We have this part in Bullvanger, for example, would your daughter, you know, your son who came in for Will like to come back and do this? And a lot of the time they, you know, they said yes. And, and I think most of the time. And so we were able to also do that, which I think was was quite satisfying. Yeah, that's really sweet, especially for the kids as well, who thought that they lost out on a role and then ended up getting one a bit further down the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have another question from a listener called Lo, and they actually have a question about your thoughts on the Egyptian people and their ethnicity and race. Uh, they wanted to ask how did the discussions go about who to cast in those roles? They said that it's different to how they envisioned based on the books, but they really liked this version as well. I think from the outset, we were just completely open as with every role colorblind in a way race blind it didn't really matter to us we weren't locked into them looking a certain way or sounding a certain way we just wanted to find you know exciting talented people to play, to fill these roles so that's we didn't really get locked into that too much we didn't want to limit ourselves that's yeah. right yeah. yeah we didn't want to limit anything because again what it, it sort of goes back to um at the risk of repetition is is that essence thing that you're looking for for these characters that philip pullman's written like what is the essence of this character and and because sometimes what can happen when you try and tie things down is so let's imagine that you cast your further quorum or your John Farr, if you were then to have cast a particular actor of a, of a particular race or ethnicity um, or accent or structure, physical structure, height, you know, weight, whatever, do you then limit all the other roles around them mm. by doing the same thing? Mm. So in a way, we just didn't want to do that. And I think really Jane, Dan, if I'm not wrong, I, I seem to remember Jane always kind of talking about it just being this like family with no particular boundaries. That's what the Egyptians were mm to her from her kind of imaginings and you know and, J- and Jack and everyone was on, was on the same the same page there really so yeah so yeah. you don't you don't want to limit yourself accidentally and mm. so we just didn't at all that's really nice I like that we have a question from Reddit which everyone on Reddit had a lot to say <laughs> they did um <laughs> oh I need to go on Reddit yeah it's <laughs> yeah it's a whole treasure trove <laughs> whenever I don't know I'm like oh is this a inconsistency in the book Reddit knows the answer they've everyone's discussed it already. oh my god I might just stay in tomorrow night yep. and then look at Reddit there's thing. two there's two threads so there's a his dark materials one and there's a his dark materials hbo one I think is that right Rich yeah, okay. yeah. so there's one specifically for the show and one for the books so we might read things that things about us Callum we don't want to read <laughs> it's, you've got to be careful <laughs> yeah when we asked the questions everyone was super nice so um hopefully yeah. you wouldn't that's good. Good. That's good good well I'm glad that people like low enjoys it yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're all people that love the books and love the material so it's a good community we know that from doing the podcast that people who love these books on the whole tend to be really great people <laughs> that's good that's good Oh, someone asked a really great question about how you approach casting characters that have a really strong relationship with each other, i.e. Mrs. Coulter and Lyra. And do you do any chemistry tests? And if so, what are you kind of looking mm-hmm. for with those interactions? Yeah, there was quite a lot of chemistry testing. Really, there was quite there. a lot, yeah. I, and when, we, when we, we were down to our final three, four Lyras, including Daphne, uh, we got Ruth in one day and had all four I think it was four of them, had all four uh, actors read with with Ruth. They all did exactly the same scenes. We spent about maybe an hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour with each option and and Ruth being there as well. We also had somebody with uh, little puppets um, Mm -hmm. pretending to be the monkey and uh, 
and to be pan and that's how we that's how we did our chemistry casting with i think it was only one session it might have been two i think it might have only, it might it been, only one i think it might one session they did we did with our potential liars and and we did the same with the will casting yeah yeah you know we whittled it down and down and down through various processes then we then daphne made a short list of lads except for amir Mm -hmm. Amir was the only person who we couldn't chemistry cast with because by that point Amir was off doing a shoot Um, but they did get they they actually flew Daphne over over to where Amir was shooting after we decided just to take the plunge and make the offer to him but yeah then Daphne went and they met and and they've kind of hung out and they've got like they got really great kind of friendship going on and uh, so it all worked out extremely well but yeah we did a lot we did take various points of chemistry casting actually it can sometimes just be the thing that helps you make the final decision sometimes yeah. it's that, like you see it and you're like oh my god that's like a no-brainer in processes yeah, in general exactly. I, mean, I don't mean just with this um, and other times it can just be the thing that very slightly makes you go actually yeah okay let's go in that mm-hmm. direction because mm-hmm. it can be a close one thing yeah, yeah. I think all, all as you were saying earlier, Callie, I think by the time we got around to, for our Lyra's, to, down to our short, short list of three, four actors for the role, like they could all have done it. They could all have played, as you said, Callie, a version of it and all been brilliant. But seeing Daphne and Ruth on screen together just worked. It was just, there was just something magical there. And, you know, I remember when Daphne left the room, Ruth was just like, wow, she's, she's amazing. So we all, we all, we all loved her. Were there any particular characters you felt the pressure to get just right? If so, which ones? And were there any casting choices that you felt nervous about how they'd be received by the fans? I, I mean, I certainly, speaking for myself, Dan, because I don't think we've, I don't remember us having had a specific conversation about whether or not we were sort of anxious about how the fans would feel. Firstly, we're fans. So when we read the books, if we're happy, we're like, okay, yeah, we're fans. That's good. That's a litmus test. Jane Tranter, Dan McCulloch, Jack Thorne, Philip knows about all the shortlists of the choices that are coming down. You know, Dan and I, like, it's like that's a lot of fans to get through. So you kind of hope you've done it. But also, I, I sort of just was like, you can never make everyone happy. Head down, get on with the job. Like, head down, get on with the job. Just keep just keep trying to find a, a course through it. And then in terms of being, I mean, Dan might have something to say there, but in terms of, like, a role that... Uh, not the pressure to get it right, but something that was like that, that was a bit nerve wracking was definitely for me, Serafina. Dan, would you say? Yeah, Serafina. It, it was just a tricky role to cast. It, it, yeah, hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what to say. It was just, it was a long, hard process to. And as we said, you know, earlier, we we really were searching worldwide um, for Serafina. Yeah, crazy. And we were doing Skype calls with actors in South America, um, trying to record those Skype calls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy. And that was about um, age and everything, wasn't it, really? Because it's about, like, how do you represent on screen the age of that character um, and the experience of that character? And again, it's like the voice casting. You didn't want to tie it too much to particularly looking at a certain age group in the way that you Mm. might often do with, you know, for example, well, we know what rough age Lyra is. So there's a playing age that's associated with that. I mean, we don't care about actors' real ages. It doesn't matter. But like in terms of um, there's a playing age associated with that and the person has to be able to hit that beat. And But for Serafina, how do you choose that that playing age? Because her age is X hundred years. You know, you can't. And then in terms of her voice, she didn't have to be British or she didn't have to be. She could be from anywhere. I think we were looking for it was more of a quality we were looking for, you know, mm-hmm. more than anything else. 
because she's she's otherworldly, right? She's you know she's from this different whole different world, even from uh, you know from Lyra, and we just needed it was a quality that we needed to find that was hard to find more than anything else. I love Rita in all her scenes. I mean, I'm talking about Seraphina because we're talking about you know series one here, but like I just love Rita in all her scenes, and I think she really, really, really nailed it. She really nailed it, and there's also a physical. There's a. It's quite a technical job being one mm. of the witches. Really, physically, it's very, very, very demanding. Mm. Well, um, wire work and they're doing and, wire work, mm. and yeah, that's really tiring, and it's hard on your body. It's painful. It's you know all that stuff, and you know Ruta just. I think she does all of it, and she brings this kind of life experience. She brings everything to it. That she's Seraphina for me. She did a great job. I have a question here that is, are there any characters that you just wish had more screen time? No, I'm quite happy with the way it turned out, I think. I, I, yeah. I mean, we could all do with a bit more Ian Gilder, right? A bit more Charles. <laughs> so sweet, yeah. so lovely. What a great actor. <laughs> yeah. And he's such a nice character, I think. Um, no, I'm, I, I think I'm perfectly happy with the, the way it turned out. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Everybody, I realise it's probably one of the cheekiest questions we're going to ask, but we got asked like five times to ask you this on Reddit and on Instagram. So we have to ask you, have you begun the casting process for Mary Malone? And everyone wants to know who she is, but I realise <laughs> you're probably not going to be able to tell us. <laughs> people just want to know. The people want to know. Yeah. <laughs> She's wrapped. It's done. She's We've finished. done it. She's yeah. She's We've done, done it. She's in oh my god! We started the process for because season one and season two were, were greenlit together. We were going to film. We knew when we were going to film them. Uh, we we started the process for season casting season two pretty quickly after season one. There wasn't much of a break, so we uh, yeah we started everything quite quickly. When did we finish casting season two, Love Kelly? When did we finish casting season two? Mm. We haven't finished casting season well, two. Well, well, um, well, you have. <laughs> <laughs> almost almost you have finished casting season two yeah we we kind of pretty much had everything done by about september last year yeah i guess yeah september yeah but she's she's in the can she's shot she's done and we're not telling you a single thing <laughs> other than that she is amazing oh, brilliant build the anticipation right. I, people will be happy just mm. to know like, speculation will be wild brilliant oh yeah yeah, yeah. They, ho- hopefully they'll trust us that we that we, we've yeah. done a good job in I'm our sure yeah i just had a conversation with mary malone about the speculation about who she was <laughs> <laughs> and she was just like oh my god they're all gonna be so disappointed <laughs> she because she was hearing out she's been reading the rumors so yeah yeah no it's 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 fair yeah anyway she's amazing so Scrolled down this list, and I don't know about you, but I don't think there's any other anything else on here apart from people about asking when season two is coming <laughs> that we haven't already asked. People want to know about season two, and people just generally, I think everyone's hearts are just going out to everyone right now. They kind of want to know how's everyone doing. Obviously, mm. everyone's in lockdown right now, and things are a bit scary. And everyone's like, is it going to delay production? Will we have to wait for our favourite season? So everyone would love to kind of know how you guys are getting along and how everyone in the production is kind of faring if you're in contact with them. And everyone's kind of sending their love out in this time. That's nice. That's nice. And likewise, we send it back to, to people who are listening and are, are, are not in the situation they want to be in or are perhaps worrying 
about their own health and you know the health of loved ones and I think it's getting closer and closer to all of us really isn't it I mean every day I'm sort of hearing another story unfortunately about a friend who's losing someone or lost someone it's really it's really painful I mean I think that in terms of the job itself I hope everything's going to stay on track there is an amazing crack group of people behind this who are using technology to its fullest to work safely in their own spaces and you know all of that stuff everyone's at home and is isolating and and all of that but they're finding ways to just keep pushing his dark materials forward so that you know the fans can can get it as as you know in as timely a fashion as 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 is possible really and and certainly for ourselves we're just holed up in our houses being teachers cleaners cooks <laughs> psychotherapists <laughs> Um, I haven't heard anything about it being delayed, is what I would say. I think we're still on track for it to, to come out uh, later this year. That's good news. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Everyone will be super happy to hear it. I'm going to play Zoom Cluedo with Lord Agile tonight. <laughs> True story. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> if in doubt, it was probably him that did it. Yes, exactly. That's real. <laughs> Can't trust him. Start pointing the finger at him at the earliest opportunity. <laughs> I think we're all finding new ways of connecting, aren't we? Like it's, it's, yeah. There's, there's. I hope there's will be some positivity to take from it all. Yeah, I hope so. Definitely. Well, we're glad to hear that you're all doing okay. Like Rich said, it was really sweet when we asked the question, and a lot of them were just like, "We just want to make sure everyone's okay," and it's just really sweet. <laughs> it's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, we send we send our love back. Yeah, absolutely. The other message from everybody was just generally thanking everybody for their hard work on it and for making this thing that we all love so much come to life and that's not just from the people on the interwebs but that's from us as well anyone that's touched this production we just want to say thank you (laughs) yeah absolutely I was going to ask you if you have a particular highlight of the show was there something that like that stood out to to each of you like I I mean each of you individually was there something that you want I mean listen I mean production design it doesn't have to be casting that's not what we mean I have a couple of bits. First, I was waiting for Lynn to show up. So <laughs> I was like, which episode is Lynn Manuel going to be in? And Rach and I, we obviously, we don't live together and we only managed to watch like a couple together at the same time. And one that we did happen to watch at the same time was the episode where Lynn shows up as Lee Scoresby. And I have an audio recording of me and Rach, actually, which I think we included in one of our TV show episodes of me being like, oh my God, it's Lynn. It's Lynn. <laughs> and he's singing because he sings. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, ah, oh, that's amazing. Oh. Um, so that was definitely a highlight for me. Those two episodes, actually, the one where, where we meet Lee and Yorick, they were perfect. And my other one was just Ruth Wilson. I can't even pick a particular moment. I just think that she was solid, yeah. solidly amazing across the entire thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the Golden Monkey is stunning as well. The relationship between Mrs. Coulter and the Golden Monkey, it's just Brainstore who do all of the visual effects. I just, like, I keep banging on to them about it when I see them. I'm like, and another thing, Russell. Um, but they're just, I think it's stunning. I think the, gold, the Golden Monkey for, for me is unexpectedly really grabbed hold of my heart. Mm. Yeah, what about you, Rich? What were your favourite? Obviously, every moment Mrs. Coulter and the monkey are on the screen, I'm, I can't look away. That's so brilliant. And what they've done with the monkey is one of the things that's really changed the way I read the books as well because of that relationship and the way that 
there's been so much more put into it than I think I was ever able to read into the books and the dysfunction there is so interesting. I'm really excited to see where that goes. For me, I think one of the moments that really kind of got me, it's just like really small when um, Lyra and Yorick, they're going off on their side road trip together and uh, she's leaning against him and he's just like eating this like bloody carcass of the something and she's yeah. just chatting rubbish. And like just <laughs> chattering away. And that was kind of the moment yeah. for me that uh, Daphne was like, oh, yes, you are 100%. Yeah. You're my Lyra. Like you could just sit there and chatter away to a giant bear while it demolishes some poor reindeer. Yeah. Any moment panda something cute as well, I, I die. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think, I just think it, it looks amazing. I think the design of it is just stunning. Joel, you know, Joel Collins and what all of the, they did such an amazing job to make, to just bring that world to life. It looks beautiful. And, you know, Lauren Balfe, the music and costume and the talent from top to bottom is just amazing. Everyone's like an incredible room full of people. Yeah, like incredible. Who you're just so, so honoured to be working alongside them, you know. And, and that sounds, that that is not meant to be, that is completely 100% genuine. I think people sometimes say that, but I, I just find myself, if we're in a, a room with a group of them, mm. if we're like down in Will Studios, down in Cardiff, and you're sort of, you know, seeing all of their workspace and things on the wall and, you know, learning something different about each part of that process. Even I remember doing a meeting with Joel one day when he actually came to talk to an actor about the, the character arc. And so the reason they brought Joel in was because he's such a big part of creating the worlds. And such a big part of um, of, of like allowing that mm -hmm. story of that character to be told through that where the person lives or you know what you know everything about that and just like listening to how he thinks about how he designs I find utterly fascinating because it was so much about character mm -hmm. I think the way that he related to the actor I was sort of like had to almost lift my jaw you know put my jaw back up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stop gawking Callie but you you really are surrounded by these awesomely talented people the whole time. The first time I visited um, Bad Rose Studios, they took me into what they called the war room, which was just this massive room covered on each wall with all these design photos from Joel. And it was, and they said, this is what this is going to look like. This is what Mrs. Coulter's is going to look like. This is what the Jordan College is going to look like. And, you know, again, jaw hitting the floor. I was just being such a fanboy. I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, can I take photos of my phone? I promise I won't show anybody else. I just want them for myself. Uh, yeah, just like amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you get emotional, Dan? Yeah, I get really God. emotional when I'm at Will Studios. It's and incredible. Like, I mean, we're sometimes there together and we're sometimes there separately. But yeah, I, d I always get emotional when I, I, I see stuff or if I see yeah. a clip, like if they show a little clip when we're there, I just get <laughs> standing in the edit room, like tears running down my face going, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. It's just such, it's just amazing to be part of it. We have to ask you. Oh we no, ask I know what you're going to ask. Oh God, no. What is no, your don't demon? Ask. <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> oh God, I would not to say. Well, every time I get asked this, I still don't know what my answer is. Dan. We do a thing on the podcast where we imagine if our demons could still change what they might have been that week, because I do think you change a lot week to week. So quite a lot of ours oh. recently have been like a big cuddly dog to be our friend during isolation. So if you want to pick what your demon would be today, that's also fine. If you don't want to settle completely on your final demon mm. form. <laughs> yeah, I struggle because I always think, because I love the sea and I'm I'm happiest when I'm at, at the beach or beside the sea. I always think, you know, like a dolphin or something like mm -hmm. that. But then mm -hmm. obviously then you're stuck in the sea 
and you can't bring your dolphin on land. So that's not going to work. So I'm maybe going to see something like um, a Scottish wildcat. Great choice. Is it a, a great yeah, Scottish you know, wildcat, Dan? <laughs> Of course it is. We always tease them about being grumpy. Um, I honestly don't know what what mine would be. My, actually, my demon uh, just appeared. Who is a British short here called Hush Puppy? Um, but uh, I I honestly I don't know. This week something that's eating a lot and feeling slightly anxious. <laughs> it's like if it. Is that what we yeah. all have as a demon just now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah. Absolutely. Maybe a dormouse. <laughs> what? What? What are yours then? I need. To, we need to know what yours are, Rachel and Faye. I have a very similar thought process mm. to you, Dan. Actually, I absolutely love the water. Love being near the sea, near the ocean. So I had a thing where I remember saying to Rachel, I was like, I kind of want it to be something like a whale, but then mm-hmm. I'd be stuck there. My last name is Ducker, so I settled on Duck. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah. Both yeah, because then I've got, I've got water mm-hmm. and yeah. land. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good one. What about you, Rachel? He's just a really sassy house cat. Like, he's just like that. a classic, like, I... <laughs> Uh, yeah I've always been a bit of a cat lady like and especially as a kid reading the books I was obsessed with Vardacorum's demon and the fact that she was so like beautiful and yeah I just want a sassy house cat to like sleep on my desk while I'm working and chat to me it'd be great (laughs) my sassy house cat has actually just arrived on the table and is currently cleaning her box as is only proper (laughs) we have to ask Vardacorum's question that he asked the witch's console if you could ask the witch's console a question, what would it be? So if you could ask the casting directors of His Dark Materials a question, what would it be? Oh, my God. That's a really hard one. So if we could ask the witch's console... If, we could if you ask... could ask yourselves a question, what would it be? Because when Fardacorum's oh. at the witch's console, he asks the console what he should ask the console. I don't know about asking them a question. What I'd probably say to them is, don't worry, it's going to be all right, and it'll all work out in the end. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Definitely a good one. Because, uh, you know, it's a lot, it was a lot of pressure at the beginning to, obviously with us being such fans and knowing that there are so many passionate fans out there uh, and not just pressure on us, pressure on everybody mm-hmm. to do as good a job as possible. At the beginning, it was just, it just seemed such a, a large, kind of daunting, scary job, really, way back when we hadn't cast anybody. And there were times when I think Karen, I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it all, yeah, it all worked out in the end. You know, just don't panic and just, just, just get on with it, and it'll all, it'll all come together. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a yeah. good one. You haven't fucked <laughs> it up <laughs> <laughs> yet. <laughs> no, we can attest that you've definitely not fucked up. Everybody loves it. The general reaction is everybody loves it. Maybe the answer is you can go back in time and tell yourself when you started the process. It'll be okay. (laughs) It'll be okay. Yeah. 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 And you won't get that holiday (laughs) that you insisted you were going to be allowed to get. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I think that wraps it up. It's nice to meet you both. Do you want to tell us where people can find you on the internet if they want to follow you on Twitter, Instagram, whatever? Yeah, we each have a Twitter. Mine's at KC Casting. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to have to look because I can't, I don't know what mine is. <laughs> I am, uh, yeah, at Mr. Underscore Dan Jackson. Great. Thank you. 
Is there anything else that you want to tell us if you've got anything coming up or anything else in particular that you want to say before we wrap up? I can't remember anything because my brain has turned to mush uh, in the time that we've been COVID isolating. And I think, and obviously, with yeah, with things um, being put on hold and stuff, we don't know when there are. We're, we're on various projects at the moment, which we're halfway through shooting and have been obviously been put on hold. So we don't know exactly when they're going to start back up again or when they're going to end up coming out. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite just because of what's going on. It's quite a tricky one. Lots of exciting things, and and they can follow our Twitter feeds to see what's going on. Yeah, we'll make sure that there's going to be, you know, the the, the entertainment industry is having a, a really rough time. Like everyone is, um, I think the one thing about uh, COVID-19 is for all of us globally, obviously we all have different boats, but we're essentially in the same boat. And uh, But we definitely will make sure we work in whichever new ways that we can in order to make sure that there's more entertainment coming out and there's stuff to look forward to and the projects have started that will somehow get completed and that will you know, make sure we can crack on with the next jobs as quickly as is safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And we, yeah, we send in our love to you guys and hope that things for all of us uh, pick up soon. And thank you for all your passion for His Dark Materials on the show. Oh, thank you for for your passion on no. the show and for doing such a great job with the casting. And thank you to all the, all the people who sent in questions. Yeah, yeah they were great questions. Mm. <laughs> Difficult questions, hard questions. Mm, (laughs) The occasional cheeky question, which I always enjoy that someone's got the balls to kind of just be like, just ask what you want. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, But yeah, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to us. Great, great fun, thank you. Oh, no problem. We really appreciate it. And like like I said earlier, we're just really happy that people want to to speak to me and Rach. We only started this (laughs) podcast in October. Because I messaged Rach being like, shall we do it? <laughs> so yeah. I forced Faye to read the books for the first time last year. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I'm on, only on my second read through. But yes thank, yes, thank you again. We really, really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. Oh my God. How fucking good was that? I, I've, I might just cry. They were so lovely. I as I, I don't know why I'm ever surprised. Everybody that loves these books that we've spoken to and has worked on this show so far that we've spoken to has been just gloriously lovely human beings. And the same is true of Dan and Colleen. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, we loved talking to you and it's so heartwarming to hear just how much everybody or like in the cast and crew loved their books and loved what they were making not that we ever doubted that before but just everyone we've spoken to you can talk to them for hours about just the books without even going into like oh you're part of the tv show and it's just so wonderful absolutely i'm a little bit overwhelmed and i yeah i really hope that for you guys while times are a bit scary right now this was a really lovely pick me up because i know it was for me having a lovely chat with dan and colleen was great and they're just so friendly and this community is so lovely and yeah I'm just gonna go and have a cry now so like <laughs> <laughs> and just to reiterate from what dan and colleen said in our interview you can find them on twitter so dan is at mr underscore dan jackson and colleen is at at casey casting so please do give them a follow
thanks so much for listening to this special episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash HDMPod. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, or talking to Dan and Carleen, I'm probably writing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Faye which is F-A-Y-E-L-E-Triple-Y, and if you want to read some of my blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.Ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not freaking out talking about my favourite books with some really lovely people, I'm making art and illustrations, and you can find me on Instagram at rachmakes, on Twitter at rach underscore makes, and in my online shop, rachmakes.co.uk. A huge thank you to Dan and Carleen for their time, and a huge thank you, as always, to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and help with the scary texture. We'll see you hopefully soon, and don't forget... Keep telling stories and all will be well. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye.